Blog Talk Radio. Elmer Locke, a Hockey Hall of Famer who won the Hart Trophy in 1945, was centering the famous punchline with Maurice Richard and Toe Blake and helped the Montreal Canadiens win the Stanley Cup three times, passed away today at the age of 97, as announced by the Montreal Canadiens organization. Locke was born in Nokomis, Saskatchewan on January 22nd, 1918. He played 14 seasons in the NHL, all with Montreal, before retiring after the 1953-54 season. He was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 1966. Our sincere condolences to the family of Elmer Locke and the entire Montreal Canadiens organization. fourth edition of the Habs 360 podcast. I'm your host, Chris G at Chris G1980. And well, if you're celebrating Easter or Passover or whatever holiday could be for you this weekend, hope you're enjoying your uh, long weekend. Joining me today, my co-host, Twitter handle is at Peter Galanos. Peter, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Chris. So uh, the Canadians have a rare Saturday night off. So they're spending a day off right now in Florida as they'll be facing the Florida Panthers on Easter Sunday, a 5 p.m. Eastern time. So it's an unusual weekend for the Montreal Canadiens. It's Saturday night off, and then on the Sunday game, it's a, it's a different start time than, uh, than usual. So we'll keep you updated, and we'll talk the latest about the Montreal Canadiens over the next 
60 minutes. Canadians had a busy week since our last episode. They played four games, so let's get it started. So Max Pacioretty scored his 36th goal of the season. This is last Saturday against the Florida Panthers. It was a power play goal during a 4-3 power play, naturally in overtime. As the Montreal Canadiens beat the Florida Panthers 3-2 at the Bell Centre, the Florida Panthers weren't happy with the penalty that was called in overtime. It was a high-staking call by the officials, and even Jared Gela did express his frustration at uh, the end of the game. But it was a stick to the helmet of Lars Eller, and those calls are black and white. So it was a good call by the official on that play. Unfortunate situation for the Florida Panthers, who at the time were battling for a playoff spot. Not looking too good for them at uh, this point. And with that win, the Canadians officially clinched a spot the 2014-15 playoffs unofficially were knew the Canadians would have participated, but uh, that win sealed the deal for them. Then, on Monday night, the Tampa Bay Lightning was in town. The big matchup for the Montreal Canadiens, probably the biggest one remaining uh, right now for them down the stretch, were the Canadians able to solve the Tampa Bay Lightning, as we all know, Tampa Bay has won all four matchups between these two teams leading up to the game on Monday night. And the result? Well, it's the same thing. The Tampa Bay Lightning beat the Montreal Canadiens 5-3. to Let's hear what uh, the coach had to say following that game. Very disappointed. Very disappointed about uh, our undisciplined tonight. Took away uh, all momentum that uh, we need. Uh, we needed to have uh, first period, second period, the same thing. Um, when you're undisciplined, um, you don't deserve to win. And I really believe uh, the group of defensemen tonight they really have a, a hard time. And then I came out and then took the penalty and uh, you know didn't didn't give us a chance to really get anything going. So uh, like I said, it's not acceptable. Um, that's uh, that's just uncalled for on my part. So we also heard from Dale Weiss speaking about a penalty call that he got, and well, Dale Weiss did get a questionable slashing call on uh, on Ben Bishop. I agree that it was questionable. I think it was a little, uh, it was a bad call by the officials, but they least let the official have it, and while the, the the referee on the ice gave him an extra two minutes for unsportsmanlike uh, misconduct, and the Tampa Bay Lightning ended up scoring a goal during the power play to give them the lead, and while you heard the coach, he spoke about indiscipline in this game, and he thought that's what cost the team. Dale Weiss owned up on it and apologize for it. But let's be honest, in this game, the better team did win. The Tampa Bay Lightning were playing better than the Montreal Canadiens, and they deserved to win. So in this five-game series, 
the Tampa Bay Lightning scored 21 goals against the Canadians, while the Habs were only able to put eight pucks past Ben Bishop and the Tampa Bay Lightning. And on average, the shots on goal, 38-24 in favor of the Lightning in this five-game season series between the Canadians and the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. So not looking good for the Montreal Canadiens if they do end up facing the Tampa Bay Lightning in uh, the postseason. On Thursday night, Alexander Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals were in town to face the Montreal Canadiens, which could be the Canadiens' first-round opponent. And the result of this game was the Washington Capitals with a 5-4 win in the shootout at the Bell Center. And well, what was the difference in that game? It was the Washington Capitals' power play who went 3-4-4 for four during that game. So they would make, they made the Canadians um, pay for the penalties that they took. Let's hear some uh, post-game comments from some players of the Canadians. Well, they got a lot of weapons. They got two lefty playmakers, three righty shots. You know, it's perfect setup. When you play four and five, you've, you know, there's somewhere they're going to have a two-on-one when you try to give them the worst uh, uh, worst possible angle to, to shoot from. I mean, we had a strong start to the game. Um, you know, um, you know, we played well. We were uh, good on the forecheck and then, um, you know, just uh, um, took a couple too many penalties that, that cost us. I thought it was a good effort. I thought we did some really good things. Uh, we had an opportunity to win the hockey game. Um, you know, shootouts one of those things where it can go anybody's way and didn't go our way today. I think, honestly, five on five, uh, we played a great game. And I think, you know, it's the best power play in the league, and we, we let them back in the game. And it's it, something we just got to be more disciplined about. So we heard in order Lars Zeller, Jeff Petrie, uh, uh, P.K. Subban, and uh, Tom Gilbert, speaking of the Washington Capitals' power play. And I agree with the assessment that the players made, uh, especially Tom Gilbert at the end when he says, the Canadians were the better team 5-on-5, five five, and I agree with that. It was, uh, just like I mentioned, Canadians, when you're one man down, the best power play in the team made the Canadians uh, pay. And well, something we haven't seen much this season from the Montreal Canadiens, Canadians scored four goals in that game. Three of them were scored by defensemen. Petrie, Gilbert, and uh, P.K. Subban uh, the coach commented on that situation. He was asked, was this a change of strategy? Uh, this is not new for us. And uh, um, a lot of the defensemen, they were joining the rush at the right time. We we don't want them to lead the rush. We want them to, to join the rush. And, uh, and uh, we got reward. And yes, he's right that the defenseman did get rewarded by scoring three out of the four goals against uh, the Washington Capitals. And Peter, I know in the last couple of weeks we've been speaking about the Tampa Bay Lightning and the potential matchup uh, with the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, I'll assume that the Canadiens' loss on Monday didn't make you feel any better, and I'll tell you my end as well, where I wasn't concerned for the matchup yet because I was like, I was going to see what was going to happen Monday night. And well, the Canadiens lost again against the Tampa Bay Lightning. So on that end, I'm a little concerned when it comes to Lightning. Uh, we won't give them any more much airtime because we have 
quite some bit in the past two weeks. But if you look now to Washington Capitals, who are another potential matchup for the Canadians in the first round, uh, how do you think the Canadians would uh, would be against them? Well, it's a bit like you said, Chris. You know, as we were looking a bit ahead at uh, a possible uh, second-round matchup against the Lightning and how dangerous that would be and how, like, I personally have no uh, hope in uh, the Canadians beating the Lightning in that round, but we shouldn't look ahead in the second round. You know, the Capitals uh sent that message this week uh with a very uh great with a very good game against uh, the Habs and uh don't forget I mean we've got Carey Price but the Capitals also have a very very solid goalie in Braden Holby who is one of the best goalies this year also in the NHL and you've got a uh, a guy who has the most goals in the NHL playing for that team, and then that's Alex Ovechkin. And when he's motivated, I mean, he could play a great game like he did uh, against the Habs on Thursday night. So the Capitals are a team very well not to uh, take very lightly, and if that is a potential first-round matchup, it'll not be easy at all for the Canadians. And Alex Ovechkin, he's always motivated when he plays the Montreal Canadiens, especially at the Bell Centre. And even in an interview this week that he gave to uh, ESPN's uh, Pierre Lebrun, he did say that, well, if the second team that he'd want to play with, if it wasn't for the Washington Capitals, would be the Montreal Canadiens because he loves playing at the Bell Center and he loves the ambiance that uh, the arena, the energy that the arena uh, gives him. But in terms of level of concerns, I'm not as concerned of the Canadians against the Washington Capitals and against the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. I think against the Capitals, if the Canadians stay disciplined, they would beat the Capitals in the seven-game series. Not in a sweep, obviously, but uh, I think they would have uh, the advantage. And that was last night, Good Friday. Thomas Plekin is scoring his 23rd goal of the season. We heard that clip courtesy of RDS and our friend uh, Pierre Wood. But the end result was the Canadians lose to the New Jersey Devils 3-2 last night, a game that went into shootouts. But with getting that one point in the standings, Canadians clinched home ice advantage for the first round in the playoffs. Uh, in terms of shots on goal, Canadians outshot the New Jersey Devils 33-18. to 18. So Dustin Tokarski was in goal, made 16 saves. And while I've been on Dustin Tokarski's case lately, and while the first goal, I got to say, I think it was a bad goal, bad rebound that he, he gave up, and New Jersey Devils uh, capitalized on it. The second one was, Selection, so I'll give him the, the benefit of the doubt. In his last seven starts, Tukarski has a record of 1-3-3 three, and three, uh, with a 900 save. And so there are first stats. He's not looking that good lately for the Montreal Canadiens. Like we said, he's not the same goalie that we saw during the offseason. On the bright side, or maybe twice, until at the end of the season. If we see more than that, it means, well, the Montreal Canadiens are in 
trouble. So after Friday night's game, Canadians have played a total of uh, 79 games. That means they have three games remaining in the regular season. They have a record of 47, 22, and 10. Gives them 104 points in uh, the standings. They are two points ahead of the Tampa Bay Lightning, and both teams have played the same amount of games. In the Eastern Conference, they are second place behind the New York Rangers. Rangers do have one point more than the Montreal Canadiens, and while well, the Rangers do have two games in hand over the Montreal Canadiens, so when it comes to the race of the President's Trophy right now, it is the New York Rangers. Um, I think it's it's their trophy to lose, so it is up to them. I don't think the Canadiens right now, with uh, three games remaining, have much control if they're going to finish first place in the Eastern Conference or not. And if you look across in the NHL, Canadians are third place overall behind the Ducks and the Rangers. The Ducks have 107 points. That means they are three points ahead of the Montreal Canadiens. But the Ducks have played 80 games, so they only have two games left in uh, the upcoming week. So there's a quiet week for them heading heading into uh, the postseason. And if you go to sportsclubstats.com, we'll all do like Peter said last week. We'll look at the Canadians' chances of winning the Stanley Cup. And it is 5.8%. So there's hope that the Canadians uh, win their 25th Stanley Cup in the month of June of uh, this year. Our question of the day. We know the Canadians... They've been, I don't know, let's say struggling. In their last 10 games, they have a record of 4-3-3. and And our question for listeners, are the Canadians ready for the playoffs? You can let us know via Twitter, at Tab360. You can give us a call toll-free at 1-877-455-4945. Our phone lines will be open for the entire episode. And you can also head into our chat room on blogtalkradio.com. You log in with your Twitter or Facebook account and you'll be able to leave your uh, your comments. So, Peter, if you look at the last week, uh, since our last episode, Canadians had a record of 1-1-2. One, one, uh, they've scored 12 goals in those, uh, in those four games, and they've allowed 13 goals against, which is a lot of Goal scored for the Canadians and a lot of goals against. So it seems like it's some kind of like a bizarre world, and the Canadians have a uh, have a losing record. Normally, when the Canadians scored these type uh, these amounts of goals, you expect the Canadians to win, but they they've been uh, they haven't been lucky uh, this year to get that. Well, this week I should say to uh, to get that done. There's one situation that I'd like to talk about, maybe a little bit more focus, uh, in the game against the uh, Florida Panthers on Saturday night. Uh, the puck was behind the net, P.K. Subban. He burnt a tire, like they say, and he ran into Carey Price. Uh, Carey Price did look a little bit uncomfortable. After that play, he was uh, shaking off his knee. He was uh, testing it out. After that game, P.K. Subban tweeted that uh, Carey Price is that uh, he was okay, he was fine, nothing to be uh, to be worried about. And in the game, 
against Tampa Bay Lightning. There's a clip that's been going around on the internet that after one of Tampa Bay's goals, Carey Price did some kind of an awkward kick after the goal. Was it because he was feeling uncomfortable? Who knows? But Carey Price has allowed eight goals in the next uh, two starts since that happened. Pierre, do you think there's a possibility that uh, Carey Price is uh, is hurt? No, I think it's just a pure coincidence. Uh, Carey Price, especially now at this time of the season with only uh, less than a handful of games left uh, before the playoffs begin, he would not take that risk. If he was injured, he would uh, take the time off and uh, heal that injury and uh, get ready for the playoffs. I mean, these games would be uh, meaningless right now, uh, and I don't think that's the case. Naturally, besides uh, Carey Price, nobody really knows if he's uh, if he's hurt or not. I, I'm not I'm not that certain where I can say I can guarantee you that he is that he is not hurt. I think it's a possibility. Like I wouldn't be shocked if we find out later that uh, he did get hurt on that play with uh, PK Subban. But then Peter, if he isn't hurt, like you mentioned, he allowed uh, three, two goals against Florida, which is fine. Allowed uh, four goals against Tampa. Allowed four goals against the Washington Capitals. He's looked, uh, I guess, normal in the last uh, the last two games. Well, don't forget, Tampa Bay is one of the highest scoring teams in the NHL, if not the highest scoring team in the NHL. I haven't really checked. And uh, Washington, I mean, uh, two of those goals came against the league leading scorer in the NHL, who's the only one that has over 50 goals right now. So. It's not surprising, you know. You're not always facing uh, average opposition when you're facing uh, uh, teams that are uh, very offensive-minded. It's it's just gonna happen. And uh, just to confirm, Tampa Lightning is the the NHL's team with the highest scoring. They've scored 251 goals in uh, 79 games. So we're gonna take our first break here on Habs 360. Still to come. We're going to read your tweets on our question of the day, which is, are the Canadians ready for the playoffs? You can also give us a call at 1-877-455-4949 so we can discuss that topic or any Montreal Canadiens topic in general. But coming up next, have the Canadians' trade acquisitions helped them in the final stretch? This is the Habs 360 podcast featured on allhabs.net. Hi, I'm Chris G. The Habs 360 podcast and Anthony from r2canvas.com are pleased to announce the return of the Habs contest this season. The contest will run during every Habs home game in the regular season and will give you the opportunity to win a great prize courtesy of r2canvas.com. Listen to the Habs 360 podcast and follow Habs 360 and Habs Happy on Twitter for more details. And for high-quality canvas art at a reasonable price, visit r2canvas.com. Good luck. Framework Sports Marketing has been manufacturing high-quality sports memorabilia since 1992. By setting new standards in the industry, Frameworth is now the largest distributor of autographed NHL memorabilia in the world. Frameworth is an official licensee of the NHL, NHLPA, CFL, and Hockey Hall of Fame. Frameworth is also the exclusive supplier and distributor of autographed products for some of the best players in the world, including Sidney Crosby, Jonathan Tace, John Tavares, 
Alec Galchenyuk, and much more. Unlike other companies, Framework produces most of what they sell, and this allows them to guarantee the quality of every piece. For more information on Frameworth Sports Marketing, visit Frameworth.com. Don't live close to Montreal? Ever feel like you're the only Habs fan in town? Chances are good that there are plenty of fellow fans just around the corner. And HabsTweetUp.com will help you find them. If you're interested in hosting a hockey party in your city, visit HabsTweetUp.com for more details. You'll be connected to other Habs fans near you in no time. If you missed a recent episode of the Habs 360 podcast, search Habs 360 on allhabs.net or on iTunes for the archives. Want to make sure you never miss another episode? Subscribe to Habs 360 on iTunes and all new episodes will automatically download for you. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. Welcome back to uh, Habs 360. I'm Chris G at Chris G1980 along with uh, Peter at Peter Galanos on Twitter as we celebrate the Montreal Canadiens clinching a playoff berth and as well clinching home ice advantage for the first round of the playoffs. As many pucks as you can towards the net and try and get some traffic. Up for Alex Galchenyuk, gains the line, drops for Petrie, coming in with a shot, scores! Here's Smith Pelly up with it, played attack for Cross, hops over the stick of Delarose, at the line, walking in, scores! Jeff Petrie with a shot! Alright, so we heard there Jeff Petrie scoring his fifth, sixth, and seventh goal of the season for the Montreal Canadiens. That gives him three consecutive games with uh, with a goal. He had gone the first 13 games without any any points, and now he, he's gone four consecutive games with, uh, with at least uh, one point in the Montreal Canadiens uniform. And Peter, at the trade deadline, uh, Canadians needed a number four defenseman, and I think Jeff Petrie so far he's delivered. Oh yeah, I mean uh, you couldn't have asked for anything better. Uh, Jeff Petrie has been a great acquisition, and uh, he left from a team that was uh, at the bottom of the standings, and he was being asked to fill a role of a top two defenseman on that team, and uh, that's why his numbers were not that great, and it probably hurt his trade value a bit. And uh, lucky for the Habs, I mean, uh, as soon as they acquired him, they put him in that uh, second duo of defensemen, and he's not relied on heavily as much as Markov and Subban, which makes him a much more effective defenseman, and that ended up being just a great acquisition uh, by Mark Bergevin. Yeah, and I think he fits really well. He he skates well. He's also a player who uh, he won't hesitate to go offensively and uh, pinch in if uh, if required to become that fourth forward on um, on the rush, he skates well as well. He's able to do some great passes to get the puck out of uh, out of the zone. Uh, Peter, so he is a free agent, unrestricted at the end of the season. Uh, do you, do you think? 
Well, it's, I guess, a two-part question. Do you think the Canadians should try to resign him, and do you think they should, which, you know, potentially could be two different answers? Uh, I think they should really consider it, but uh, it would have to be at a pretty fair price. I don't think they'll just throw any amount of money at him. I think if the off the uh, the asking price is reasonable and the term is uh, decent as well i think uh, there's a good chance the uh, they'll come to an agreement but i i think the hab should really really consider uh, resigning him so i think he would be a, a, a he's a great player for the montreal canadiens to have the asking price should be like a, at least 5 million 5 6 million dollars because if i'm not mistaken from all the defensemen available on the July 1st, he'll probably be the one that'll be um, the most the, the most popular one, the, the, the player who'll be the most in uh, demand. But with that kind of salary and the current defensemen the Canadians have, something has to give. I don't think there's room for um, for all those defensemen at those kind of salaries because you already have P.K. Subban, who's making an average of uh, $9 million. You have uh, Markov, who's making almost six. You have Alexi Emlin, who is making, I think, four and a half. So that's a pretty expensive blue line if you add in Jeff Petrie at another five or six million. So I think if the Canadians do want to keep him, they'll have to move one of the defensemen to make room, or else I think it'll be too much money uh, tied up on uh, on the back end. Sucks to sit out, but um, give me a chance to step back and, and watch the game and um, you know, take some tips and, and use them in my game. Came here and then did what they asked. Uh, I mean, I don't think I've ever not done what a coach has asked before. So, I mean, that's just uh, me doing what I have to do. We need so we heard for a, from a DSP, Devante Smith-Pelly or Devo, like the coach likes to call him. That was before the game against the Washington Capitals. He's back after missing two games as a healthy scratch against the Washington Capitals. He took one shot, delivered one hit, and that was in ten and a half minutes of ice time. And last night against the New Jersey Devils, he took three shots, delivered four hits, and he did that in 12 minutes and 15 seconds of playing time. And well, uh, on my end, since the acquisition of uh, Smith Pelly, he was acquired for Yerchi Seikach of uh, the Anaheim Ducks. I haven't been too impressed with him so far. He's uh, he's downgraded down to the fourth line. He should have been. He was uh, promoted as somebody who should play as a number three forward. And well, we haven't seen that as of yet. And Peter, on your end, how have you found um, DSP so far since uh, he joined the team? Well, obviously, it's below expectations. It's not. Uh, it's really not what uh, we we're expecting. But uh, you know, he's not. It's not like uh, we we're expecting him to be a savior and play on the top two lines uh, on the wing and score goals. I mean, that's just not the type of player he is. And uh, you know, it's unfortunate for him, but uh, he. He's going through also um, in the market. He's playing now in the market where there's a lot of pressure to perform, and uh, 
once you're you've played a few games and uh, you haven't been playing to expectations, things like this happen. So it's an adjustment period for him, unfortunate, and uh, uh, you know he's and the fact that his uh, his conditioning was questioned also by the team that doesn't help either as well. Last year, the Canadians scored uh, five. Uh, sorry, not the Canadians. Uh, Devil scored five goals in uh, 12 games in the postseason with the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, does that give you, Peter, any hope that maybe come playoff time, game 83 of the season, he might uh, step it up and we get more out of him? Well, it's a different type of uh, system as well. I mean, Anaheim plays more of an offensive type system uh, where. Montreal is a bit more uh, structured defensive system, so it's not going to be easy. Uh, it's it's really not going to be easy for him to repeat that kind of performance. And last year the Canadians had uh, Lars Zeller and Randy Bork, who, who st- stepped it up in uh, the postseason. And well, who knows? Will uh, DSP become this year's uh, Randy Bork in the, in uh, in the playoffs? A couple of other Montreal Canadiens acquisitions at the trade deadline was uh, Tori Mitchell and uh, Brian Fillin. Mitchell, he's played 11 games, still looking for his first point with uh, the Canadians, but keep in mind he's played almost his entire time with the Canadians on the fourth line. He's a minus three and 58.3% on uh, the face-off circle. Brian Flynn on his end, he's played less games, he's played seven Still looking for his first point as well. Played a couple of played a game, if I'm not mistaken, with uh, well at least one game with Eller on uh, on the third line, and while they they looked uh, okay, in fact, let's hear them talk about their line. This was following the game against the uh, Florida Panthers last Saturday. I felt really good tonight. Uh, my uh, you know my line mates was really going to, so I think the whole line was just. Uh, we, we brought the energy we needed to bring to uh, to be a force out there. I thought we were uh, we were pretty good. Um, thought we could have generated a little bit more. Um, uh, made a few more plays when when we had the puck down low, but um, I, I thought we did a pretty good job. So that was uh, Lars Zeller and Brian Flynn speaking about uh, their line. Uh, Jacob De La Rose was the third player on uh, on the line for them. And Peter, when it comes to Mitchell and Flynn, uh, I know these guys were required to become depth players, but have you seen anything from them that you think uh, stands out so far? Well, they definitely won't be the Rene Bork of these uh, playoffs. That's uh, I'd really highly uh, be I'd be very very surprised if that's the case. And uh, you know, it's still you know it's not their fault. I mean. These were players that were required for depth in case of injuries, and right now they're not really, uh, you know. They're, I mean, they're fourth line players. Uh, what can you expect? Uh, the the question I have is, why didn't uh, they try to fill a need at the trade deadline, which was a bit more evident uh, for? A forward who who can play on the top two lines instead of uh, acquiring players like uh, Flynn and Mitchell. You know these guys. The role that these guys have. I mean, you have players in Hamilton who could have done that, and 
It's unfortunate for them. So do you think like Canadians, uh, they sent down uh, Michael Bournival as Van Andrigato, as uh, Christian Thomas, are a couple of players that we've seen coming down from Hamilton. And I'm asking my, myself the same thing like you are, Peter. Uh, are Mitchell and Flynn much of an upgrade compared to these guys? Maybe yes, right? Maybe they have a little bit more experience in the NHL. But uh, besides that, when Andrigato was here, Remember in his first three games, he got three points. So he showed some energy. He showed some some flash. But yeah, for sure that uh, Andrew Ghetto played in the top six role when he was here. He wasn't playing as a fourth line player like uh, like Mitchell or uh, or Flynn. So in, at the same time, the Canadians didn't give up much to acquire these two guys with a couple of draft picks that uh, they gave up. So therefore it's not like it was a, a very costly move. Uh, since the trade deadline, Peter on March 2nd, Canadians have a record of six, six and five is, do you think that is a coincidence with uh, maybe the players that they acquired or is it just uh, the teams that they faced, et cetera? Well, I don't think, uh, well, it could be a coincidence. You know, you just got to look at these guys came uh, on this team and Thomas uh, and Bournival are no longer on this team. So, But it's not like Thomas and Bournival would have made that much of a difference uh, on this team that uh, they would have had three more wins, let's say. You know, I think that it's a question of the team just, uh, being on a bad streak and I think it's also a question of you know I keep going back to that they didn't acquire a top six uh, winger uh, to play uh, on the top two lines and uh, I think I think it's a mental thing I mean when the team knows that you're missing a another winger who can score goals beside Max Pacioretty on a consistent basis and you're hoping that your general manager is going to make that move like he did last year with uh, the acquisition of Vanek and trend deadline comes and goes and you're, all you have is Mitchell and Flynn to show for it, you know, up front. So and DSP and Devo. Yeah, but, you know, I think that mentally the guys were like, we didn't get that player that could help us to go further in the playoffs. So I think that has a role to play with it as well. And the last season when the Canadians acquired Thomas Vanek, they had a record of 12, 6, and 1. So that's quite the opposite of what they're doing this year. It was 19 games. Canadians have played so far 17, so it'll be 20 uh, by the time the season is uh, over. And there's there's no way for the Canadians to even tie that record that they had uh, that they had last year. In those 19 games, Vanek had six goals, nine assists. He had 17 points in 18 games, so that's almost uh, a point a game. Yeah, he didn't deliver in uh, in the postseason, but I think just his presence, like you mentioned, uh, created some opening. It gave us for other players, and it also gave confidence to uh, to the rest of the team. Yeah, and he became, like you said, he didn't perform in the playoffs fine, but he was 
a very credible threat uh, offensively, and that also created more uh, more room for uh, his other wingers, uh, his other uh, line mates, you know. So, and that's just not the case this season. Without acquiring a player like that, I mean, this team is back to the way it was, and I don't see them going through a playoff run like they did last season. Yeah, for sure. I think the the, the fact that the Canadians didn't acquire a top six forward will make them struggle heading into uh, into the playoffs. And returning to the conference final will be very tough for the Montreal Canadiens, especially the way they're playing now, unless we see a superhuman carry price like we've seen so far for the entire season. And if he's able to carry him on all the way to uh, to the conference finals. So let us know what you think about the trade deadline acquisitions. You can let us know via Twitter at Habs360. You can also give us a call toll-free at 1-877-455-4945. On the other side of the break, we'll take a look at some other top six forwards that were traded around the NHL at trade deadline. And we'll be reading your tweets and answer the question of the day, which is, are the Canadians ready for the playoffs? So keep your tweets coming, and we'll discuss on the other side. This is the Habs 360 podcast featured on allhabs.net. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Habs 360 is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. The RSM mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information about this unique marketing opportunity. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. Oh, you guys surprised me, you know, like so it's, uh, and, oh, thanks, and, 
it's probably it's twice special it's come uh, come uh, from you guys you know like selection from you and uh, um, I'm happy all right, so that's uh, Andrei Markov. Prior to the game against the Tampa Bay Lightning, as uh, he was announced as the winner, sorry, the, the Canadian's candidate for the Bill Masterton Trophy for the Canadians in 2014-15. He didn't win it, but he is one of the uh, 30 uh, candidates. And, well, did you sense any sarcasm in that comment? Well, I did. So th- that award was voted on by the Montreal chapter of the Professional Hockey Writers Association. So in the press release, they write that throughout the season, Markov has been a true example of sportsmanship, perseverance, and determination. And he's only missed two games since the 2012-2013 season. And both those games, he's been a healthy scratch. So he hasn't missed it because of injury. He missed last night's game against the Devils. And then last year, he he missed a game against the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. And after him being out of the lineup for 75 games and 69 games, respectively, in uh, 2010, 2011, and 2011-2012 due to injuries. And I still remember the conversation that we've had here on uh, Habs 360 about Markov and their hesitation having of him being re-signed to a long-term deal. And, well, so far... So good, I think uh, Markov has delivered. So congratulations to uh, Andre Markov. So, Peter, uh, we have a great contest going on with Frameworth Sports uh, Marketing. And, well, it's been a very popular contest so far. Why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, well, the Habs 360 podcast is excited to provide a Habs fan with an opportunity to win an 8x10 autographed picture of Brendan Gallagher, and it's courtesy of Frameworth Sports Marketing. Frameworth is the largest distributor distributor of autographed NHL memorabilia in the world and one of the largest distributors of sports memorabilia in North America. Here's how to enter. you got to follow Habs 360 on Twitter, and prior to the next Canadians road game, which is tomorrow at 5 Eastern against Florida. Tweet Habs360, your guess of the final score and the name of the first Canadians goal scorer. Now, if you guess them correctly, you win. It's as simple as that to enter the contest. Now, in case of multiple correct guesses, a tiebreaker will be determined from all the winners. So for more information on Frameworth Sports Marketing, visit their website, frameworth.com. All right, so thank you very much. Uh, Peter, so there will be a winner for this contest the latest next Saturday when the Canadians face the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, which will be the last road game of the regular season. And then, well, it will be exciting. A brand new contest will be coming up for the Montreal Canadiens and the uh, Habs 360 Habs contest when it comes to uh, every single playoff game during the postseason. So we've, we've been talking about the Canadians and uh, trying to acquire and why they didn't acquire top six forward during, uh, for a trade deadline. If you look at a couple of players that were acquired, look at Yarmir Jagr that the Florida Panthers picked up. He has 14 points in 16 games. Eric Cole, he has uh, six points in 12 games. Antoine Vermette, Three assists in 15 games played. Uh, Drew Stafford, in 21 games played, he has 17 points. Chris Stewart, 
nine points in the 15 games played, plus six. And also Glenn Cross from the Washington Capitals. We saw him this week. He actually crashed into Carey Price and got a goaltender interference. He has seven points in the 14 games, minus two. So, Peter, uh, when you look through this list of players, uh, do you think the Canadians maybe should have paid the price to acquire one of these players this season? Well, at least uh, I think uh, Jagger would have been a good, uh, uh, I think, the ideal fit for the Canadians uh, at the trade deadline. Uh, Stafford would have been good too, but I think it would have been harder to get him because he was involved in that uh, trade with uh, Evander Kane for Tyler Myers, so it would have been too hefty of a price to play to pay for him. But I think, uh, but he would have been a good acquisition on, on my behalf. Uh, I think Jagger and even Chris Stewart would have been, I think, a good acquisition for the Habs. Uh, and I mean, all it cost them was second round and third round picks, I believe. So I would have taken the the plunge for those players. It's uh, just unfortunate that uh, that was not the case. Yeah, Jaromir Jagger was a second round and a conditional third round draft pick is what cost them. So I agree. I think Jaromir Jagger would have helped the Canadians when it comes to uh, the uh, trade uh, deadline, and especially when it comes for the power play. The Canadians have been struggling on the power play, and Jaromir Jagger, for sure, I think he would have been a good pickup. So let us know what you think. You can let us know via Twitter at Tabs360. You can also give us a toll-free call at 1-877-455-4945. And that's where we go now. And we have somebody on line one. Hi, who's this? Hello? Hey, how's it going? Yes, um, I follow you on Twitter. I'm from the, the uh, United States uh, state of Connecticut. My name is Jim. Hey, Jim. Thanks for calling. Well, first thing is, I think you could have, I mean, Yager, they missed the boat on Yager. They, um, they wouldn't have cost them much more than what they got for the, the, the three has-beens that they traded for. And they wouldn't have had to give up Sikach. So, I mean, you know, that's my feeling, uh. Uh, and they could have got Kessel for probably a bag of pucks. But, and he would have been better than any of the three that they have. And the guys they sent down to Hamilton are better than these three guys. So, you know, I don't know what, you know, I don't know what they're thinking. Um, I don't like the comment that Bergeron said that the team was young and, you know, they were a year or two away. That's the comment that I heard. Um, that's a great message to send to your team when you're fighting for the best record in the league. Um, you know, so I just don't get it. The system itself, um, to me, is one for the 90-game season and not for the postseason. Um, you know, and as far as this thing with Gomez, uh, if they just let the players handle it like they used to, he wouldn't even attempt at that because he would have gotten leveled by somebody. Yeah, for sure. So Jeremy Jagger, uh, sorry, uh, Scott Gomez got a fine. I think it was about $1,500, which is probably pocket change for him. So, Jim, do you think the Canadians 
are ready for the playoffs? Like, how do you see them going? Uh, Absolutely not. I think they're going to get beat in the first round. I just don't see it. They have no power play. They get, take too many dumb penalties. And the their power play is disgusting. They have no one with any size that can stand in front of them. You might as well put a defenseman out there like the Bruins do with Shara. You're better off than putting little guys like Gallagher in front that don't play, or DeHarnay, who, if he ever goes in front of the net, um, don't block the vision of a goalie. Nor do they have a threat to any defenseman. They just get knocked down. Uh, you know, their power play looks like the movie Hoosiers. Uh, all they do is pass around the perimeter. And, you know, I guess like the movie, three passes before you can shoot. Well, that's pretty much what they're trying to do. And, uh, you know, they need to somebody around the face-off circle or in front of the net that has a realistic chance of shooting a puck in the net like the Capitals did with Ovechkin. Um, you know, I just don't understand it. I don't know what coach is in charge of their power play, but um, he should get fired. Never mind uh, uh, Tyrion, who, in my opinion, uh, you know, the honeymoon's over with him, and you're only going to go this far with him as a coach. You'll never get over the hump um, with him. Uh, I know he won a uh, Stanley Cup in Pittsburgh, but we don't have a Crosby or any of those other guys. All right, perfect. Thank you very much for calling us, Jim. We really do appreciate it. Yeah, bye-bye. All right, take care. So... One eight seven seven four five five forty nine forty five is uh, the number to uh, to reach us. We still have a couple of minutes, so don't be shy. Give us a call here on uh, on Habs three sixty. Let's go to Twitter right now. Read a couple of tweets that we did uh, receive. First one comes from uh, Tony. He writes, "Fire Terry. Put the original team back on the ice before the trade deadline happened." Scratch Boyer, Patterin, Mitchell, and Flynn, and play Mahotra, Gonchar, and Weaver. So thank you very much for the tweet, Tony. And, well, if Tony follows you, you though that's a tweet that comes back often uh, from Tony. He's not a fan of Michel Terry, just like Jim that we just heard, who doesn't seem to be a fan of the coach as well. It's very unfortunate, though. I mean, us, you know, myself as well, I wasn't a big fan of uh, Michel Therrien's uh, hiring when it happened. And, uh, you know, unfortunately for, for us, don't forget that uh, at the end of this season, Michel Therrien already has a four-year uh, extension on the current contract that begins as of next season. So... No matter what we say, I think the Habs are uh, stuck with him for at least another two seasons. I think uh, when you get a four-year extension, I think your first two years are safe. The last two are uh, always uh, debatable a bit. Yeah, for sure. He's not going uh, anywhere. Another tweet that came in from Tony, he writes, Terry trying to do the same shit like last year and doesn't realize it's hurting uh, the team. So thank you very much for the tweets, uh, Tony. And we have one more tweet coming in from Enigmatic, who is from Halifax, Nova Scotia. He writes, 
MT needs to stop messing with the lines. They need to be gelled before end of season. Two games left, put a lineup together that works. And in fact, the coach was asked about the constant line changing. This was prior to the game against the Washington Capitals, and this is what he had to say. First of all, they all used to play together. That's a good thing. They all used to play together. <laughs> yeah, you know, and they all kind of, you know, and they all kind of get some success to play with different players. That's another good thing. And um, my job as a coach is to make sure that uh, uh, we're on top of our game. And if I have to make some changes at time, I have to make some changes. And uh, if I see things doesn't work, uh, well, we'll have to make those decisions. So, Peter, from the response that we heard from the coach, he's still going to keep changing the, the line changes. And he saw it as a bright side that, well... Everybody has played with everybody, so everybody will be will be comfortable. Do you think that's a good strategy? <laughs> I don't think it's. Uh, you know, usually if you look at uh, previous, uh, you know, top teams, elite teams in the NHL, usually their lines are uh, pretty much settled by game uh, seventy of the season, and uh, the last uh, ten. Ten odd games are used just to solidify the lines and uh, create some chemistry, and uh, you just roll with those lines going into the the playoffs. Uh, especially the, your your scoring lines, I think you need chemistry there uh, to for goal scoring, and uh, you know your fourth line you can always mess around with it a bit, uh, even your third line, but your top two lines uh, should have been. Uh, officially set in stone by now, and that's not the case uh, for the Canadians. I mean, uh, is Dearnay going to be with Pacioretty? Is he not? Is it going to be Placanic? You know, like, I think that question still hasn't uh, been answered, and we don't really know. I think it's just a roll of a dice right now, and uh, I don't think that's a good strategy going into the playoffs. And well, Peter, I guess we we heard from our from our listener Jim who called us in. We heard from uh, people sending us their comments uh, via Twitter. And I guess it's time for me to ask you the question right now: uh, Do you think the Montreal Canadiens are ready for the playoffs? I mean, uh, like the expression uh, says, uh, "Ready or not, here they come." I mean, uh, <laughs> this is this is the time. So. Are they ready? I think they're a good enough team to to get uh, to get past the first round, no matter who the opponent is. But uh, when second round comes along, I don't think that uh, they have what it takes. And when I look at the other teams in the Eastern Conference, especially heading into the playoffs in the last ten games, so we said the Canadians in the last ten have a record of four, three, and three. I look at Tampa Bay, why is the record of 5-4-1, so they're playing 500. The Detroit Red Wings are 3-5-2, so they're below 500. I look at the New York Rangers, they're 6-4, so that's one game over 500. New York Islanders, 2-6-2 in the last 10 games, so they're struggling as well. And if you look at the Penguins, they're 3-6-1 in, uh, in their last 10 games. So when I look at that, I'm not... Panicking, I think it's. Uh, I think we're we're. It's not time to panic. Is it time to be concerned? 
naturally. You know, when the Canadian does go on the losing streak or they're not playing their best hockey, especially heading to the playoffs, it, it is fair to be concerned, but I don't think it's time to uh, to panic either. And, Peter, if the playoffs started today, Canadians will face the Pittsburgh Penguins. How would you like uh, that matchup for the Canadians? Uh... I think I like it. I mean, uh, past history shows that uh, Canadians have done well against the Penguins, and uh, I think that Marc-Andre Fleury still hasn't proven to me that he is a very successful uh, playoff goalie uh, since uh, the last time the Canadians uh, beat the Penguins in the playoffs. So even though he's had a great regular season, I think the playoffs are a totally different animal, and uh, I think he's uh, the big factor here. I think that uh, if Fleury plays the way he he did this season during the regular season, it'll be a very, very tough first-round matchup. Uh, but even though Carey Price is better, I'm not saying that Fleury is better than Price, but, uh, but if Fleury plays a lot better than average. They've got a lot of a lot more firepower up front than the Canadians do, so it would be a, a very tough opponent for the first round. But if we base ourselves on the past, Fleury has had great regular season in the, uh, before, and then when the playoffs comes, doesn't uh, normally he doesn't deliver. So I think that this would be a favorable matchup for the Canadians to face the Pittsburgh Penguins. And the Penguins, they're not that powerful team that we've seen them in other years. And it looks like it's one of those years where they're, they're just there. They're just waiting to be uh, to be beaten. Yeah, well, for Fleury, I mean, that was the last time the Canadians played against them. But you can't take away the Stanley Cup that he's won and a Stanley Cup final that he's been to uh, previously before that. So I think... You know, we don't. We just don't know which Mark Andre Fleury we'd be getting uh, come playoff time. So if we take a look now at the Montreal Canadiens, they have three games remaining in the regular season. It starts off tomorrow, Easter Sunday. Canadians, they're lucky. They don't have to be in Montreal to, for this snow. They're in Florida to face the Florida Panthers. It's a five o'clock Eastern start. A game that could be seen on coast coast-to-coast on the Sportsnet, and in French, only available to viewers in Belleville East on uh, RDS. On uh, Thursday, the Canadians hosting the Detroit Red Wings at the Bell Centre at 7.30, so the Canadians do get three days off right before the start of the playoffs. The 7.30 p.m. start, it could be seen on Sportsnet East and on uh, RDS for viewers in the region of Belleville East. And we don't know, depending on how the games go this week, that could be their first-round opponent as well. Yeah, and that would be, and at game 81 of the season, that would be quite um, a game that they'll remember when it comes to game one of the playoffs. So it will be quite, um, it will set the tone. And if it looks like it will be Canadians against the Red Wings in round number one, we should probably expect maybe a carry price to a starting goal for the Canadians. And right now, the goaltending for the Red Wings side is uh, its not its best. It, just imagining, imagine them having Dustin Tokarski starting. It's, uh, it's the same thing. 
And that's it when it comes to the Canadians. It is only two games. It's a quiet week for the Montreal Canadiens. And next week, next Saturday, will be the uh, the last game of the regular season when they host the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Peter, thank you very much for joining us today. Always a pleasure, Chris. Thank you for having me once again. No problem. Coming up next week here on uh, Habs 360, we'll preview the game against the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, which will be the the season finale for the Canadians. And as well, we'll preview the round one matchup for the Canadians. Hopefully, we should probably know who their first round matchup will be on uh, during next week's episodes. I'd like to thank everybody who listened in to today's episodes. If you missed any parts of it, you can go to allhabs.net or you can go to iTunes and search Habs360. I'd like to thank everybody who sent us their tweets. Jim, as well, who gave us a call a couple of minutes ago. My name is Chris G at ChrisG1980, and we'll be back next Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern, for another edition of the Habs 360 Podcast. Have a good week, everybody. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs360 and visit allhabs.net.